Welcome to Lockdown With. Our guest today is Ellie. She is a content marketer based in Canberra, Australia. Just before the pandemic, Ellie had a gut feeling that she should quit her day job, move houses and cities and start her own business specialising in content marketing. During this podcast, Ellie shares with us what led to that decision, what it was like to start her business and how her experience of the pandemic would have been wholly different if she hadn't listened to that gut feeling. I'm Rebecca and welcome to Lockdown With. Hello from London. Yeah, a bit different to um, over here in Australia. It's it's super hot and um, yes, summer vibes over here. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Brits love um, a weather chat and <laughs> I think we'd love to know what the weather was like there. Yeah, well, it's, it's hot. It, it hasn't actually been a hot summer um, as hot summers go. Um, but the last kind of week or so, it's it has been hot. It's been um, up in the 30s, so it's been hot. Well, to give been you, staying inside. To, to, well, I don't, I don't actually blame you. Um, to give you an idea of what's been happening here, we've been in minus two, minus three, but no snow. Wow. No snow. Mm, just like the miserable, like sticky kind of cold. Well, not even sticky it's just icy freezing you breathe in and it hurts kind of thing <laughs> yeah. yeah which we would we I mean it does get cold here I'm I'm in Canberra which is um kind of a bit a uh, couple of hours south of Sydney and it uh it does get cold down here um but it, you, it would rarely get below zero down here so and um it will snow but not not um proper snow just you know a little sprinkle and everyone kind of runs outside and and it's all fun but not actual proper snow here yeah I mean that sounds like London but I think we're going to be a little bit jealous <laughs> of how nice and hot it sounds there and you're in your kind of like tank top or whatever I'm so jealous I'm here yeah. like shivering away under a blanket you can't see I've got a blanket down here <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I'm like I'm sweating like I'm uncomfortably hot and we don't have really good air con here so um yeah so I wouldn't mind a little bit of a like snuggly winter vibe go stand in the fridge (laughs) 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 um but I'm interested because you said you're in Canberra but I kind of wanted you to kind of transport us to where you are like I don't I haven't seen your house I don't know what it looks like um but I have seen your Instagram pictures of like where you're living can you tell us like what kind of vibe it is where you are um so we moved to Canberra um, probably six or six or eight months ago. So just um, just before the lockdown started. So I don't know a huge about about um, you know the intricacies of the city, but it's it's a small city as cities go in Australia. Um, so and they call it the the bush city. Um, so like the 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 forest city. Um, because it's filled, it was designed with so many different nature spaces um, in mind. Um, and each kind of locality has its own 
ridge that you can go hiking up on or that kind of you know or, or you can drive half an hour and you'll be in the mountains um so it's it's kind of an outdoorsy city which is one of the reasons we moved here um so yeah so it's pretty quiet lazy old life and um we've got uh, we moved so that we could kind of have a bigger backyard and we could have a dog and things like that. So we've got our veggie garden out the back and we, we got a puppy um, probably four or five months ago. What's his name? Um, is it Bron Bronte? Uh, she's a girl oh. um, and we called, her, we called her Bronson, which is a boy's name. Okay. So I can see why you'd be confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we moved out of the city, the big city of Sydney so that we could have, um, you know, just like a more quieter kind of country style life, um, but still be within a city that could, we could, um, you know, work, find jobs if we needed to and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a bit of a, it's a nice a balance of a city. So where you are in Canberra, are you based kind of in the centre of kind of town or are you kind of more on the outskirts? We are, um, we're about 10 or 15 minutes drive from the center of the city, which sounds close, um, but it's actually pretty far out because it's one of those cities that you can just, um, you, like 10 minutes drive in any direction, um, anything you need, it'll be within 10 minutes. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not, it's, yeah, it's pretty far from this, pretty far, you know, from the center of the city. <laughs> Okay. And I mean, so that's, that's really nice. I love the fact you've got a veggie garden and you're kind of like around countryside if you need to be. Yeah. I, I yep. love that move. I think that's a really good move. I love, I love watching your Instagram stories of your kind of lifestyle. I feel it. Yeah. It's really full of energy. That's what I really like. Yeah. It's really, you can, it's one of those cities where you can just jump in the car and just be, you know, you could drive two or three hours and you could either be at the coast or up in the mountains skiing or if you drive inland you can be pretty much in like desert-ish country so and then two two hours south and you're in Sydney which is the you know biggest city in the country so it's it's a it's a really good location we love it that's really good I really I really enjoy that I don't hear many people speaking about Canberra as much as you hear about the kind of Melbourne and Sydney and Perth and Adelaide mm. and stuff so yeah it's it's maybe a hidden gem that people should explore a little bit more maybe um I really wanted to speak to you about your experience of obviously because this is lockdown with and I mean the UK is now in their third lockdown so this is kind of keeping me occupied while we literally cannot leave the house but I just I think everyone will be interested about how COVID and lockdowns were in Australia so can you tell us like how you first found out about COVID how did you hear about it? Where were you? We were, we had just moved here. So we were still kind of unpacking boxes and, and, and that kind of stuff. But we were kind of in a bit of a, a happy floaty kind of vibe of yes, we're out of the city and, um, and it was, you know, I, beautiful kind of weather. And um, I had just quit my job in Sydney as well. So I wasn't working or anything like that so I had a lot of free time and space and I was just I just launched a new business so or I just started to kind of tell a few people and hadn't done a kind of like a hard launch just a soft little like telling a few little people but um 
so I was kind of having had a few little clients and um, a little bit of work happening here and there but um, yeah so I heard about it when um, when all of that was happening when the when the business was just new and um, so we didn't have any kind of uh, you know a lot of the people had uh, jobs and stuff that they had to start working remotely and that kind of thing but for us not a, not a huge amount changed so would that would have been, would you have found out back in March time yeah I mean when did you guys find out about well I mean was I it wasn't in, it the same well yeah I mean I was in China so oh you were in China in, in January I was the one that came home and I was like guys it's gonna be a lockdown guys quick and everyone was like you're being silly there is gonna be no such thing China can't deal with it. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I had three months of kind of trying to enjoy myself before lockdown in London. But yeah, pretty much Europe. And I think a lot of the world found out in like March. That's when they started taking it quite seriously. Mm. Yeah, I can't really remember. I think there was just an announcement over... Not, and yeah, there was an announcement that there was a limit of events, 500 people or something like that. Um, and it was a couple of months, yeah, a few months after everything was happening in China. And I think overnight things kind of, people kind of started panicking a little bit and there was panic, panic buying and toilet paper um, shopping and um, that kind of stuff. And, and that was when I think I, I got a few calls from clients that were um, a little bit panicked about what it was going to mean for their, their businesses and their outdoor um, adventure businesses, which is the, the industry that I work in. So, um, yeah, I had a few clients kind of kind of cancel overnight um, when we found out about that. Right, it's crazy. I also find it really interesting that although you're on the other side of the world, people still panic for toilet roll. Yeah. Why? Why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, people were buying um, big, like, crates of it you know, yeah. like a hundred toilet rolls and things. So yeah, I don't know. Mm. We had a big supply already, so we were all good. <laughs> In Australia, what do you think the reaction was to COVID? Do you like, what was the vibe like? Um, I'm trying to think back, like, I can't really remember. Uh, I think I, I switched off a bit from it, but I think there was definitely a panic, a panic at the beginning in the sense that no one really knew like what it was gonna mean for them. Um, and, um, the initial lockdown I think was, was countrywide. So from memory, I can't, mm -hmm. everyone was kind of locked. It, it, it was speaking holistically and the prime minister was the one doing the announcements and stuff. So it was, um, it was more of a collective kind of, you know, we're all in this together and it was a hard lockdown. Um, so yeah, I, but I, I, yeah, I think it was just a lot of uncertainty and um, fear. But um, yeah, with hindsight, I guess it wasn't as probably as extensive as we thought, which which might have been because of the the management of it, the the you know managing it it well. Um, I think it um, it didn't last as long as people would have thought. But but that could just be my perspective because I um, really wasn't touched by it at all um i had you know some clients um cancel but i i got new clients straight away and and i had some financial support from my family and stuff so 
So my perspective of it is probably a little bit different to the perspective of people who really, really were, you know, losing their jobs and um, locked, locked in cities and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of uncertainty was probably the the main um, vibe at the time. Yeah, I mean, well, let's let's speak about your kind of experience of COVID then, because you said you kind of completely could shut off from it, and I think for people in the UK that will sound like such a strange thing because we've been affected by this since March and we had maybe a break during our summer months and so maybe August was okay. We didn't really get much news about it, but every single day we're getting horrific like death totals and case totals. So we've had like 3 million cases. We're at 80,000 deaths every day. We're getting like a thousand people die at the moment, which is, I mean, in Australia, you've had like 900 deaths the whole pandemic. So we've had your whole total death count in one day every single day during these peaks so we can't really switch off so I mean it's nice to hear a different perspective so how were you able to switch off was it just not as big of a thing well it wasn't so so when um when we talk about how many um cases there have been in Australia I think such a tiny tiny portion proportion of those have been in Canberra or in the ACT which is where Canberra is um there's been I think maybe one death in Canberra so it's it's um my perspective is not this perspective of people who are living in Sydney or 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 Melbourne um so I think for me for for us down here we had that initial um lockdown and uh and kind of, yeah, had to shut down for that period of time like everybody else. But then it gradually petered out and life was back to normal, I think, pretty quickly for Canberrans. Um, But, I mean, if you spoke to someone who's living in Melbourne in in an apartment with kids, you know, and they were in a lockdown for months and months and months and they were having to... um, you know, school their kids from home for so for such a long period of time, and um, you know that that was tough. Like most, not all Australians were able are able to kind of switch off from it. Uh, but but yeah, we were because we we were able to a little bit because of that, and I guess as well because I work remotely for myself. It wasn't there wasn't any you know much uh, connection to the business world and that kind of stuff so um, for me yeah that's how I switched off but I'm in a fortunate position and and it'd be interesting to speak to other um, Australians in other regional locations um, other country locations because I think um, they probably have a similar experience uh, unless they have some connection to the city Um, I think one's kind of um, challenge that people have had is if they have family across state borders so if they have wanted to go to up north to Queensland or um, yeah cross a state border to see their family then they've had challenges where they've had to quarantine for long periods of time and yeah because I was um, going to ask you that, where, but, where's, where's yeah. your family based my family is in Sydney mm-hmm. well my 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 close family my dad is in 
two hours north or about an, an hour north of here um, in the country. And then my grandparents are up in the northern beaches, which is where they've just had a, a cluster, um, which in the Australian sense is um, a big thing. But when it's compared to other global numbers, it's not so big. Um, but it's still taken like extremely seriously. I think they locked down the northern beaches of Sydney within after like uh, two people yeah. cases had been found or something like that I've been following and, so your news and I was just like that is crazy like they've locked down whole places with hardly any cases and they're like this is a big thing I'm like we have like 30,000 people in hospital <laughs> yeah yeah so I think um yeah so we, I was supposed to have Christmas up there and um then they put a hard border on that section of the city and we had to cancel that which was, I mean, it is sad. It was sad because my grandparents are old, getting old. Well, they are old, they're 90 something. Um, That's quite old. <laughs> I mean, they still seem like spring chickens, but they are old. Um, so it was a bit sad, you know, not being able to do that. But when I'm, you know, zooming out on the context of how I've experienced the whole ordeal, um, I'm extremely fortunate if that's the only thing that I have to kind of deal with, um, I'm pretty lucky. But I think, um, yeah, for, for a lot of people, it is, it's hard to, you know, people are having to deal with um, sick parents and sick family members and things like that. And I think when it comes to things like that, um, you know, you can't, you can't predict any of, any of that stuff happening. So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges there that people have had to have, have had to, you know, face, but I don't, I haven't had to do any of that so far. So I've been very lucky. So during your restrictions in Canberra, were you able to still kind of leave your house and go on your adventures? Because I know you are such an adventurer and you love the outdoors. Were you still able to go on your kind of walks? So we were allowed to go like within the state. Um, so we could go, you know, for our daily walks and you could just um, head up the mountain out there and um that kind of stuff that mountain <laughs> in our back garden I think our yeah mountain is probably like the shard in London like the building <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we we could go for our like walks around the city and things like that um right at the beginning of lockdown you couldn't you could you could like you had to kind of stay inside um, and you could just go for, you know, like a half hour walk kind of thing. But um, yeah, there's national parks and stuff that you could quite quickly go and um, visit. But we haven't really done a huge amount of that because um, of the puppy that we got. Yeah. So she, she, she's restricted where we've been able to go a little bit because you have to kind of, um, the first little bit of her life um, has to be inside when before she's vaccinated and stuff. So um, but I mean, yeah, it, it was, um, so the kind of adventures that I do are generally in another state or in another country or, um, at least a few hours drive away and we couldn't do that stuff. So, yeah. And I mean, I had a few work, um, I do content kind of partnerships with brands and things. So I had a few jobs that were postponed, um, and just postponed again and again and again because of different 
border restrictions up north and stuff. So there were a few things that were kind of, you know, disrupted, but not in a sense that it was, um, you know, completely cancelled or anything like that. It's just postponed, I guess. And I mean, with, with the kind of adventures, I mean, you are lucky to have mountains and stuff on your doorstep. I mean, if we compare the lockdowns and, and COVID between the UK and and in Australia, well, where you are in Canberra, I mean, in the UK, we were seeing people, if, if there was any sunshine, literally any sunshine, you'd get about 100 cars that would turn up in a car park at the nearest mm. national park or down by the beach. And you'd see, like, you'd see the news and it would just be a full beach or a full mountain. And I don't, yeah. think, I don't think people in maybe, especially like London and all that, I don't think we normally get outside as much as what we have done this year because that's all we can do. Um, I don't know. Mm. Did you see anything similar with people kind of flocking to places that were nice? Uh, not here because it's just, there's just so few people. Um, but I did see um, on the, like my family lives um, at Bondi beach. So, which is the famous beach in Sydney and they, um, yeah, there were pictures of, of the beach on the news and it was just absolutely packed. And um, and you're just looking at everyone going, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's so silly. You know, there's all these restrictions and there's all these health warnings and stuff. Why are you, why are you doing that? But I guess, like, it's you can't judge, you know. I think at that point in time when everyone was flocking to Bondi beach, it was kind of like, I think they'd been in lockdown for a little while and um, they, I don't think they were breaking the rules. The only rules they were breaking was they were too close to each other. But um, you know, who am I to judge? Like they, (laughs) they just want, they just want to get outside and get some sun and sand and stuff. And um, yeah, like I haven't experienced um the lockdown being in the city and and really not being able to go outside I I can't imagine that I am so pleased for you that you haven't experienced the pandemic as I mean people in the UK and and yeah and the big cities and stuff here and I think I speak to someone about this I was thinking it's going to be so strange when some type of normality resumes because people are going to travel again and then it's going to be a weird mix of people that have experienced this really hard lockdown and either are going to be complete hermits because there's so much social anxiety going on at the moment or they're going to be going absolutely mad like wild and you've got people like Australian especially New Zealand Australia New Zealand and a lot of other countries where they haven't experienced Covid or lockdowns and I think that's going to be a really strange tourism dynamic I just don't know how that's going to be yeah, no, I don't know. It's 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 going to change the way that um, people view traveling for sure. I think, and just as well, just the idea of so many people going through such intense hardship, but then the other half of the world not not going through that that period of transformation, like internally. I think that's gonna, yeah. There's going to be some um, who knows what, but something, some kind of tension there. I think. Yeah, it's going to be really strange. And I I think I've got an interview lined up with someone from New Zealand and she was just like, it's crazy because even more so than like in Australia, they just haven't experienced it. They're pretty much out of the woods now completely. And that's going to be, that's going to be, it's such a strange thing to even think about someone hasn't experienced 
from the yeah. COVID. It's just really strange. But I think mm. um, what's interesting is that you had this feeling that you should change up your life. You should um, move house, quit your job, start your own thing. And you moved mm. from Sydney to Canberra, so out of a big city to kind of a smaller city town. I, I guess it's the city because it's the capital. But mm. I mean, if you didn't listen to that gut instinct, how different would your year have been? Yeah, it would have been really different. I would have, I would have been having a different conversation with you now. <laughs> yeah. I think I we in Sydney we lived in a tiny little um, terrace house in yeah a small little um in an industrial section of sydney um and we were packed in there enough um when you know we were stepping on each other's toes when we lived there before so i think if we'd added having to be locked down there together i don't think a relationship would have lasted <laughs> um <laughs> no i mean it would have i've i've had lots of friends who've, who've um had real troubles with their relationships um being in sydney lockdown so I think that, um, yeah, there would have been troubles there. And, and I also probably would have been still in my full-time job, which I didn't, um, I didn't hate, but it wasn't quite right for me. So that would have, I would have been fully remote with that. Um, and it's tricky. I, I, can, I can imagine it would have been tricky for lots of organisations, but just thinking of where I worked, it would have been so tricky for them to have to, overnight pretty much you know have to figure out how to you know do it all remotely because it's a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to technology um the non-profit world doesn't invest in that kind of technology so um yeah i think it would have been a bit of a challenge i think that people would have been um really struggling with the communication side of things and putting on top of that all of everybody's personal um and emotional pressures and stresses and psychological you know stuff that's happening and fear of you know family members being sick and stuff so um, it would have been different it would have been very very different um, pretty lucky but I, I guess I, I decided to leave Sydney or we decided to leave Sydney and I decided to leave my job and to start my own business not because I knew there was a pandemic coming but I, I just knew that I, I needed to um, have a little bit more control over my life. So mm. I just I just knew that if I needed to pick up and be remote or pick up and move or change my situation or whatever, I, I had a gut feeling that I really needed a little bit more autonomy there um, because the, the amount of um, control that, that working for someone else has on you is, um, I found it really, I really struggled with that. So I think, yeah, it, with hindsight, it was a great move, but I didn't, I didn't know how much of a great move it would be until, until the pandemic. Yeah, came. I mean, I find it completely crazy that you made all of these decisions before you knew about COVID because it wasn't, a, it wasn't a matter of trying to escape. It was a matter of you just making these decisions because that's what you felt within. But I love the words that you use to describe it things like kind of luck but also divine timing and I, I know I mean we mm. met we met in a tiny little island off the side of Bali right on a yoga retreat and yeah so we we kind of we both know how our minds work on this but how much of that do you think was due to divine timing and due to luck 
I think it happened when it did because of a whole bunch of reasons. Like if I look at the timeline of it, of the timeline of my career, you know, I had to have a certain amount of skills to be able to do what I'm doing now. In the timeline of my relationship, I kind of had to be comfortable enough with my partner to, um, to feel like moving to a new city was something that we could do together. And I also had to convince him that this would be a great idea as well. So that <laughs> took a number of years. <laughs> so I guess there was a timeline that was there, but um, I mean, it, it seems too good to be true to not be some kind of divine timing, doesn't it? So yeah. I, I don't really know. I'm not, no one really, you know, knows, knows for sure, but it does feel like um, it all just came together at the right time. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, who does <laughs> um, I know, you, so we've spoken about your house and then we kind of touched on your job. And so what was the job you were doing full-time in Sydney? I was working for a charity um, called the Fred Hollows Foundation, which is one of Australia's biggest charities, most well-known charities, I guess. Um, and they um, provide um, eye care treatments and advocacy and stuff for um, vision impaired people. So um, I was working in the content team there doing their search engine optimization program. So make sure that they show up in Google. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it was a good, it was a big, good, great job. It was everything I'd worked for. Um, and I'd, yeah, I'd done a degree in um, international development and I'd worked for a startup for a few years to kind of like hone those digital marketing skills and stuff. So it was, it was a really um, great job in theory. Um, and the people I worked with were really awesome as well. But um, living in the city, I, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the country in real kind of like um, lush kind of dairy, green hill, green rolling hills, like country vibes. So to then go and study and work in the city for 10 years, I was just, I was just like right at the end of my tether. Yeah, so time. yeah so so yeah so it was it wasn't so much the job but the the lack of autonomy working in office having to commute you know a few hours a day um being surrounded by traffic and noise and cars and stuff it was all that that I more more didn't like and I needed to needed a change from yeah I completely feel you on that as well I'm the same in a city mm. I just feel like it's really contained and that's a challenge that I mean I'm going through being in London right now but mm. I think something that you you were saying to me was that you you knew this about yourself you knew that you didn't like being in the city necessarily you didn't really like working for someone else even though there were real mm. good benefits of it and you enjoyed it you know the kind of aim was always to kind of move away from that and be kind of more remote so you could have more freedom of where you work but also freedom over the work that you did and I mean you you were working hard I mean I mean when we did meet on that yoga retreat I met you while you were typing on your laptop I think I even interrupted you I was like hey <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah what do you want <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and I was like you're on holiday car <laughs> you were yeah hard towards this girl right <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't always know exactly what it would look like, but I think, I guess in the last few years, I did know what it would look like and I was working hard towards it. I didn't think I'd stay in the charity job for 
for that long. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I kind of knew as well, like when we met in that context, I, it was me kind of trying to figure out if I could work and um, travel at the same time, which people, it's this fluffy idea and this great sounding thing, but it's actually really tough because yeah. you're not working, you're not fully working, but you're not fully traveling. You're kind of just doing a bit of both. So you, you kind of, you don't get to see all the things you want to see, but you also can't work enough to get everything done. So um, it was really tough. So I think that that also gave me a bit of an indication of, you know, if I'm going to do this um, business thing, if I'm going to launch a business and do my own thing, I, I want to do it um, and give all my attention to it rather than try and travel and work at the same time. And then maybe, you know, design my life around taking holidays um, and make sure that I'm booking in holidays and things like that, but not trying to to do anything too adventurous whilst I'm working because that's just it, it just doesn't work I mean some people could make it work but it's really tough yeah I mean so talk to me about the business that you have created then because I know you had loads of other ideas and you sometimes text me be like I've got this great lanyard one I'm like tell me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why did you decide on this one what is it about tell us I forgot about that lanyard idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, was a, it was a good idea it was good no it turned out to be a terrible idea I it was I don't even remember what but I remember it was I remember it was just like no that's a terrible idea why did you and I'd, I'd got to the point where I'd thought of the idea I'd bought the domain like I'd, <laughs> I'd thought of I'd thought of the branding like I'd done a business plan like all in one sitting like in the middle of the night kind of thing I think so, um, people that work in like content marketing websites, as soon as they have an idea, they go, right, I'm getting the website done. I'm getting the branding done. I'm doing the business <laughs> yeah. plan now. And I mean, I, I am trying to think back to what that lanyard idea was, because like, we've mentioned it now. I think people are going to be like, what the hell is this lanyard idea? I think I think it was that you yeah. had to, um, that like I wanted some sustainable options for having lanyards at your because I'd go to conferences and I'd get a new lanyard at every conference but, yeah. and I'd be like well why can't they why can't you return it at the end and then <laughs> and then you know reuse them and you know have like slot slot in the branding rather than like paint it on there or whatever it's just like a sustainable version of lanyard but I think it exists and if it <laughs> if it does if it doesn't exist there's probably a reason it doesn't exist no, you I don't know? Think Someone... anyone should be thinking like that I think if something doesn't exist there is a space and <laughs> if it hasn't existed yet and someone else has tried then they haven't found a solution I think there is a solution to the lanyard thing but obviously it's not the idea Maybe. That <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah I came up with a lot of, of ideas yeah. it probably was about two or three years of um different ideas and just brainstorming different business names different business models different um so like what services will I offer what products will I offer you know what's it going to look like so um it wasn't just kind of like I moved to Canberra and I just like launched a business it was like I'd been kind of designing the business for a few years before it actually launched and then I think I kind of launched it and then ran it with um a limited number of clients for a few months and then re just like structured it all together again because um I realized 
the things that weren't working and the things that were working. So, so what's, um, what's the name yeah. of the business and what does it do? Oh, it's called Hiatus Studios. And it's just a, it's just me working freelance as a content agency. Um, there's nothing unique or special about it, but um, yeah, there is. you are the person working there. You are very unique and special. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'm still figuring out exactly because I have I I I create content for adventure brands over here, and then Hiatus Studios is um, providing content marketing, consulting, and SEO services, and brand messaging services, copywriting, that kind of stuff. So it's an agency model over there. But then I also do the content creation with the adventure brands um, over here. So it's it's kind of hard to know where it all, where it all fits and I'm still trying to figure all of that out. But um, so far, most of my clients for Hiatus Studios are um, just regional um, one or two woman um, comp- small businesses and um, in the tourism space or in the health and wellness space. So, uh, yeah, and I haven't had to do t- like outreach or anything. I just kind of do my insty, insty like <laughs> posts. Insty. No one calls it insty here. <laughs> <laughs> no one calls it insty here either. Oh. It's just me. <laughs> Insta, Instagram. Um, yeah, no, I don't like. That's what's felt so good about this business as well is that I haven't really had to go out and kind of um, do outreach and sales and stuff, which is a yucky part of it. Um, I mean, some people like it, but I've never liked that. Um, I've just kind of done what I do and um, people who have been interested in getting my help have come to me. So that's felt really nice as well. Not having to kind of, yeah, not having to push anything, just let it happen. And I want to talk a bit more about not necessarily specific clients, if you don't want to speak about them. But before we do go into that, I had two questions from Instagram um about your kind of business and how you got into it so one of them was um how many years um and clients did you Hmm. work on before you started your own freelance company oh yeah um so my first my startup um job was um my first kind of like real ish job but in a sense, that was that was me working freelance um, for a client. So I did that for a few years, and that was probably like um, you know part time. Um, half half the week was spent on that one client. So I would I would probably, with hindsight, I would say that was my first client. And then when I got my full time job at the charity, um, I still had a couple of um, clients on the side. So kind of side hustle clients that um, I just connected with uh, through Instagram or through just the adventure community or whatever. So um, yeah, not, not a lot. Uh, I think, yeah. And then I think when I kind of soft launched hiatus studios, I um, picked up a couple of, um, oh no, that's right. I, before I kind of launched, I, I did a, uh, a survey I put out a survey and I kind of said if you fill out this survey because I wanted more information about my client my ideal client and so I put this out and I said if you fill this out I'll give you a free xyz it was like an audit or something 
so in doing that, I attracted a few clients who I ended up doing a bit of work with. So, um, yeah, a little bit of kind of free promotion at the beginning um, was good. That worked out quite do well. You, do you think there's a prescriptive number of years or a prescriptive number of clients that people should or must do before they try and venture out on their own? No, I, I think, I mean, I think it'll be, it'll be, um, if you try, if, <clears throat> if you've got a full-time job and you want to do a little side hustle, I think that's good for ironing out some kinks in terms of communication and um, tools and stuff. So like, how are you going to invoice someone like, like all of that kind of the logistics and admin side of it. I think it's good to, you know, just have a little bit um, under your belt, but like the answer is no, I think you can do it as soon as you want to do it. Um, it's just about a lot of it is, about your confidence levels and you know how confident you feel charging the rates that you charge i think that the rate that i was charging the side hustle clients um when i was working at the charity the rate is like a quarter of what i charge now so you know like it just depends on how confident you are with what what you can charge um and doing you know having more the more clients you have the more confident you'll become with, with charging what you want to charge. And I liked what you were saying in the sense that it just kind of flowed. You were picking clients that you liked, you were working on things that you like to work on, and now it's just flowing. And I mm. think that's probably a message to anyone that's thinking about doing their own thing, that if it's not working, then just find something and be true to who you are, because you are the kind of unique offering. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. Um, it can be a bit, if you are relying on, I mean, that's the other thing that people always say is that um, try to kind of get a bit of the experience under your belt when you're not relying financially on it. So like if you're relying financially on, on it, then oh, it, it can a be a bit burden, right? trickier. Yeah, because you kind of like, oh, and I need this client, I need this client. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, you, you've got to, yeah you've got to like let things flow to a certain extent and try to kind of trust in your own ability and trust in your own uniqueness um but I've had times where I've had like a client come a person come to me um and I'm just and I just instantly know that it's just like no this is not a good fit this is not going to work yeah. I don't vibe their business I don't vibe them and I'll just like even if I need the work I'll just like politely and tactfully decline because um, it's, there's just no point. And then like inevitably then the next week or something, I'll get a client come to me that's perfect. So it's like, if I had said yes to this one that wasn't so perfect, I would ha wouldn't have had time for yeah. the great one. So I think it, yeah, you've just got to try to be, really clear on who you are and what you want to do and what kind of people you want to work with and what impact you want to have. Um, and then just try to stay true to that. But like, that's easier said than done when you are relying on the money for your, you know, rent. Um, but as much as you can, I think that's, it's good to try to do it like that. Mm. And there's good advice. I think the other question that came from Instagram was what courses are great content writing? are great for content writing. So whether you know of any specific courses or say if someone wants to just improve their content writing skills, 
and maybe that does include SEO, making it SEO optimized. What advice do you have to people that want to improve their writing skills? Um, oh, like I've never been trained in writing, so I don't really know. I mean, yeah. writing, I think is one of, this is my completely uneducated opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Writing is one of those things that is um, you develop it through practice. So just writing whatever, whenever and reading. Um, so just like reading and consuming as much as you can, um, especially the kind of stuff that you would like to be writing. Um, and then just punching some stuff out and just seeing what happens. And also I think it can be really useful to find a good editor. Mm. Um because a good editor is really who's someone who really cares and is going to give you some good feedback um, and they can really structure your writing so that there's a bit of shape around it, I think is really important. But in terms of studying, I guess um, any kind of human, I mean, I did an arts degree at uni. I don't know. Is that what, is that what it's called over there? An arts degree? We have, we have art and science degrees. So like bachelor of arts or bachelor of sciences. Like a humanities kind of, uh, yeah. sociology I don't know what that would actually come under because I didn't study at a university but potentially could be the arts yeah so I just think anything where you're doing long form writing long form essay writing um, and developing ideas and because I think like the writing style isn't the biggest part of writing especially if you're a copywriter I think it's more um, how you're expressing ideas how you're communicating ideas is, is is more the point um you need to be able to make sure that you're including everything and that it it makes sense um so yeah i don't know i don't i don't think i mean i'm i'm a bit i'm a bit like disenchanted with like uh conventional forms of learning because i think that i i and a lot of people i know did spend a lot of time and money at universities um learning things like fun and interesting yeah. things but maybe not necessarily the things that have ended up now you know making me money so um yeah I, I think completely agree with you yeah <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to your experiences and who you meet and what you end up falling into by just the path that you choose to take the decisions that you choose to make and I think writing is a skill and I think it can be improved but also I feel some people words just make sense to them and I think mm. you can learn but also there are some people that just pick it up so quickly and if you are one of them just keep writing just keep improving but I think there is a difference between content writing and making your content SEO optimized and I know mm. SEO is like search and engine optimization is a massive part of what you do and you seem like such a wizard like I've seen that you put out this whole kind of I don't, I can't really call it a journal. What would you call it? It's like a, a, a book. I don't know. What is it with your SEO tips? You put out. Like, oh, a, the guide a, thing that I did the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, is that what you mean? The guide that yeah. I put in? Put, yeah. That's just a, a list of um, SEO tasks that exist because I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions about what SEO is sure. um, and how broad it actually is. It's all about the content that you're producing and, you know, but then it's also about the technical aspect of your website and it's also about, you know, your PR and your media strategy. So it, it kind of just encompasses everything. So I wanted to put out a 
something for people to be able to just get a snapshot of what it's all about because uh, there's not a lot of um, resources like that. So that was the point of that. But um, what was the question about the copywriting? Making SEO optimizers in like fitting your content to be just optimized for gaining attention. I think you like there's something Mm. you just write and that's fine. But if you're writing for a purpose of gaining that Google ranking, there's a difference that writing style is there not yeah well there's difference in how you structure the information so you you're making sure that you firstly have done some keyword research to make sure that the topic that you're writing about is actually um searched for people are actually searching for it and then secondly like uh is it is it a competitive keyword like are you actually going to be able to rank for it or is it just like way too hard you know it's one of those keywords that you're you know these high level competitors are um bidding for or you know going for so um yeah so i can't remember what i was saying i've lost no i think i think that that answers it in terms of structuring it slightly differently for your seo i want to move on something a little bit more fun which is the clients that you're working for and your adventures because it's such a big part of your life and that's the bit that I love to watch because it kind of brings out this like really nice sparkling kind of fun energy about you um mm. and I've seen some really nice pictures I think there was one with a bar I don't know where are these are these, oh, yeah. are these your clients I have some clients some adventure and content creation clients and like I was saying before I have the adventure clients and then I've got the um kind of content the kind of seo and copywriting and stuff clients so the one with the bath there's a there's a there's a company here in australia called ripperide which is a uh it's like an airbnb booking engine Mm -hmm. um but for more like adventurous stuff so yeah i'm i do content creation for them and they have a really good um, content model where marketing model, or I guess they call it a, a micro-influencer model, um, where they approach kind of like amateur kind of um, photographers to go out and um, have an adventure in their um, accommodation properties and uh, write a story about it and take some nice photos and kind of make it all vibey with, you know, people in the photo photos rather than a lot of the property listings that you see is just like this beautiful kind of like picture of a bed or whatever but you don't actually get the feeling that you could be be there so they they try to do that so um so that's the bath one we went to just a beautiful like equestrian farm um which was a few hours away from here and it was built in a shipping container amazing so um, which is like a bit of a trend. I don't know if it's a yeah. trend over there, but I've heard yeah. about trends. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's quite a big thing, like the whole tiny house thing, but then doing yeah. it in a shipping container. So yeah, but it's it was fully luxe and yeah, had this bathtub and this beautiful view and um, yeah. So but we've we've had um, we've done maybe four or five um, content trips with them, and um yeah we've been to some been to a beautiful tiny house down south in the mountains and uh coastal kind of um cottage and just like it's just a nice little excuse to go on a little holiday 
I mean, it does feel like work when you're there because you do have to make sure you get some good photos and like remember some of the details so you can write it down. But um, yeah, I wouldn't really call that a client. That's more just like a fun thing that I do. <laughs> content and post it, you know, for the mix. But I asked you before, yeah. I said, I said, I really want to be transported. I want to feel transported. I want you to show us some of your experiences, your adventures and some of the places that you visited. And we were speaking about going through your Instagram. Can you show us some of your trips, or uh, your favorite ones? Yeah, well, one that I've posted about a lot recently, mm-hmm. um, which if you, if anyone listening to this actually does follow me, they'll be like, oh, shut up about it already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm always posting about um, the Lara Pinta Trail which is this trail out in um, out in the desert in, like, let me show you this photo, mm-hmm. out in the Northern Territory. Oh, can we see it? Yeah, I can see it. And I'll, I'll try and put it over the top as well. But for anyone that can't yeah. see it, do you want to explain what is in the photo? Yeah, it's the Larapinta Trail and it's out in the Northern Territory of Australia, um, full desert country, but with all these high ridges, um, so you, there's a lot of climbing, a lot of mountainous, rocky walking, um, but it's a 16, well, we did it in 16 days hiking, mm-hmm. um, fully supported hiking. So you've got all your, everything you need on your back to live. And yeah, it was 30 something, like 32 degrees the first few days um, and pretty, still pretty hot the rest of it. So, and then I don't know if you can see, but um this one is pretty good shows how fly covered oh, it was so I love your fly stories because I haven't been to the <laughs> source topic because I was meant to be there this year but your mm. trails what is with the flies yeah that's not normal it was it had been um it had been a drought for like a year prior or longer than a year prior when we got mm. there and um so the flies were just crazy, but yeah, out in the desert where there's any kind of like cattle nearby, um, I think that's why. But it, but it, like everyone who sees that photo, they just, they're just like, I've never seen they, and they're just, you see their faces, and they're just like, no, I cannot handle that. Um, but like, I didn't really like. I hate spiders. I couldn't deal with lots of spiders, but uh, I didn't really mind like. I mean, they were annoying because you had to wear a net over your head and you couldn't like eat without, you know, you had to like put your spoon under the net and stuff. For anyone that's listening on Spotify that hasn't been able to see the picture, I mean, it's available on your Instagram anyway, which we'll say at the end, but Ellie's literally sat on the floor and she is covered, like her whole back might as well just be, I don't know, an outfit. It's just flies, (laughs) just flies. And she's got this like net over her face and all of this, which is incredible, but if you're trekking in Australia because so you've spoken about how do you say it La, La Pinta? L- Lara Pinta yeah Lara Pinta trail what other kind of trails yeah. would you recommend for people if they were going to Australia walking yeah. mm. um so there's like the main um I actually haven't done a lot of multi-days in Australia most of my multi-days have been overseas but the <laughs> main one that people go to is down in Tasmania Mm-hmm. um called the overland track and uh it's got some huts and I, I maybe did that 10 or more, no longer maybe 15 years ago 
or so. Um, and it's beautiful, really beautiful part of the country down in Tasmania Cradle Mountain area. Um, so that's like a good one to start with, but um, Larapinta is beautiful. There's, there's a beautiful trail up um, on Hinchbrook Island called the Thorsbourne Trail. Okay. There's, oh, there's on the West Coast, there's, there's, you could, you could walk forever. <laughs> there's just so many places to walk, but I haven't really done a lot in Australia because most of my traveling, like epic traveling was, um, overseas I guess when I was younger and then where where, uh, where overseas were they oh uh Nepal Uh I went and did the um Annapurna circuit in Nepal and then I was in uh Tanzania I did Kilimanjaro and New Zealand a few times there's a really nice walk down on Stewart Island Uh which is this island that's below the South Island of New Zealand and um there's like a 12 day circuit down there really remote um and really tough I did that with my dad so yeah different ones like that um but there's always more to do oh of course there are (laughs) I mean in Australia one of the reasons why I never wanted to go when I was a child was because I always got told there were so many dangerous animals and I think that is the perception of so many people especially in the UK we're just told it's literally where all the dangerous animals live and I mean, when I went to Borneo, there were also these really dangerous animals and some crazy ones, like a wasp that can paralyze you for like eight hours. Crazy. Ooh, a viper that can yuck. kill you in 30 minutes. But in Australia, is it is it right to have these perceptions of it being really dangerous? Um, like, Don't yes, because... <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, in the sense that, like, they exist and they are dangerous mm. in terms of... Um, snakes and spiders but um no in the sense that like it's very rare for you to see them and it's very rare for you to be actually bitten by them um so yeah I mean I like I've done a fair amount of hiking and I lived you know grew up in um in the country and stuff and um it's not often that I mean maybe I'm just not observant or something but it's not often that I would see a snake like like my dad says he sees them all the time so maybe I don't know maybe maybe I just don't look but um it's yeah it's not it's not super 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 common to be seeing them and if you are seeing them like I was always taught dad always taught us to when we're walking outside or when we're near long grass or when it's hot or you know snake weather to just be stomping like stomp everywhere you go just so that they don't yeah yeah, we, they, they get scared of you. Yeah. They're, they're just like, you know, any kind of animal, they just get scared of you. And then with spiders, you just kind of like, you always just check your shoes and just make sure that there's nothing in your shoes. What about <laughs> But like the actual... Though? Yeah, the, yeah. Black, wait, what are the black widows? What are they? Did you just say, what are they? Are you Australian? No, I don't really know what's what. Like we've got what the funnel the web. Ones? So we've got the funnel web, which is like the bad one, like I the didn't really know bad about one. that one. I only know about the black widow, <laughs> and obviously the hunters oh. are massive, but they're like friendly apparently. What's this funnel? Well, one? they're the ones I'm scared of. What huntsmen? Yeah, because I just the, when I was young, like I just you know when you've just got like traumatic childhood memories. I remember one time waking up because we were right in the country where I grew up, and I. 
I remember actually not one time, like a few times I woke up and there'd be like a huntsman, like right there on the wall next to me. Or I remember one Mm -hmm. time I woke up and there was a huntsman, I was sleeping, cuddling my cat. And I woke up and my cat was like attacking a huntsman on my pillow next to my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I literally cannot do. I mean, when I was having my breakfast this morning, there was a spider and it was big. And when I say big, I mean, that big (laughs) and he was like abseiling and I was like that no you know what I can't deal with that but no how go on show me how big these huntsmen are oh um they're about that big no they're not they're bigger I mean (laughs) I swear like this big (laughs) (laughs) no huntsmen this big (laughs) (laughs) bigger than my head they are right no they're about I reckon if you got a big one, it'd be about the size of your hand. Oh my God, horrendous. And I'm mm. surprised that you don't know what a black widow is. Surely you know what a black widow is. No, I don't. I mean, I'm just like not very knowledgeable about stuff. Oh, my Stuff God. goes in one ear and out the other. <laughs> and I just prefer not to know. It must mean that it can't be as dangerous as what we've been told it is then. Black spiders, black, dark, hairy spiders, I have a big issue with. So I just don't want to know. well you know what I thought that was gonna be a lovely moment where we could transport ourselves to the lovely Australia and then we spoke about everything that could kill you so you know (laughs) maybe I'll just stay in cold um freezing cold London just for a little bit longer but I hopefully that has transported people away from our third lockdown into some different kind of land um Hmm. Ellie how can people connect with you if they want to Oh, um, probably best just on Insty, I'd say. Insty. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Um, my name on Instagram is uh, Ellie Lou here. Um, so that's probably just the best place. Or you can check out um, hiatusstudios.co, studios with an S. Um, yeah. Amazing. Are you doing anything... <laughs> I know you launched all your SEO stuff. Are you doing anything else this year that you want people to know about? Oh, I'm launching a podcast. Amazing. What about? Uh, digital marketing, but mostly content marketing and SEO. Um, but I'm trying to kind of um, move my messaging or, you know, start teaching more about the possibilities of content, using content in your business um, and kind of move away from some of the SEO kind of stuff because I think people get a bit freaked out by it and they think it's technical and blah, blah, blah. But I, my, you know, passion and what I've done in past jobs and with clients and stuff has been, you know, setting up new content um, programs and making sure that people can have consistent content production. So I'm trying to kind of do more stuff around that. So we'll talk about that in the podcast, but then I'm also doing like a seven-day course as well that I've been um producing so that'll be just like a a quick short course but we'll kind of like get people ready to to produce content in their in their businesses but um yeah that's that's they're the things that I'm focusing on this year but just see whatever else comes up any adventures planned oh um we just had one um recently a a, a a paid partnership one so they don't happen that often but in terms of like holidays 
Not really, because I feel like I haven't really wanted to plan anything big because no one really knows what's happening. So I, I definitely don't want to leave. I could go to New South Wales, which is the border that um, is next to us um, and kind of like stay close by and, you know, probably go down south and go skiing um, when that opens up. But um, nothing big planned. I don't really, yeah, that's the way, I think that's one of the big changes that's happened is just just keep it small and just, just like take it a little bit, um, you know, day by day or week by week rather than, you know, far in advance booking and stuff like that. I think that's the same for a lot of people everywhere around the world right now. Well, thank you for sharing your hour with us and thank you for telling yeah. us about COVID and how your life has changed I think it's been really interesting thank you for sharing all the information with us no worries and hopefully I'll see you in person at some point in Australia oh yes hopefully who knows when but it'll happen